Welcome to Companion Piece, a podcast celebrating the many friends and allies of the Doctor. From Tottus Lane to Sheffield, the Scottish Highlands to Eastface, and everywhere in between. We'll be taking a deep dive into each and every companion, exploring their life, their time in the TARDIS, and for some, their adventures without the Doctor. For today, though, we're taking a step back to look at the Doctor's companions in general, what they have to be like to face life with the Doctor, and some of our and your favourites. But to start with, it's probably worth introducing ourselves. Hello, I'm Lily May Sherratt here, also known as Irene Wildtime on Twitter, if you know me on there. Um, what else is there to say about me, really? Well, I'm a big fan of Joe Grant, Harry Sullivan, whoop de doo Stephen Taylor, hooray. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I've been a fan of Doctor Who since I was probably about six or seven, maybe. Uh, and I'm Ollie Jackson. I've known as uh, old underscore Ollie on Twitter. Um, I genuinely like pretty much most companions. There's no one that I'm that dead set against, but probably Joe, Sarah Jane, for obvious reasons, Bill, um, if we're talking about New Who as well, and pretty much anyone else, but those are the big standout ones, and then the Brigadier, again, for obvious reasons. Um... And I've been into Who for probably about the same age, five or six when it was on, when I was really young, and then seven when it came back on actual telly. Um, but yeah, that's that's me. So with this, we're going to be discussing every single companion when we get around to them, including those that aren't TV Who companions. So those that are in comics and in books and mainly in Big Finish. But we will start off and probably run for most of the podcast with the TV companions, the ones that most people know and the ones that most people are most familiar with. So we're going to just going to start with what we think makes up a good companion, really. But before we focus down on any particular ones, if we just discuss and let you know what we think makes up a good companion and not necessarily good companions as well and then we can get to what uh, what our listeners have thought as well uh, but Lil Jonna start what you think I can do I mean what do I think makes a good companion well I mean if we consider some of the most popular companions in that respect so Sarah Jane Smith for example or Joe Grant if you think Joe Grant is popular I don't know <laughs> Um, I think Katie might have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, <know>. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's it's a combination of sort of them being relatable, I think. And, I mean, people tend to relate to the companions that are sort of similar to themselves. So for me, Joe Grant is that sort of companion and the Doctor's kind of that sort of far I suppose a little bit of a fatherly figure to her but also a friend so I think I mean I'm a bit of a daddy's girl so that might be why because he's a big John Pertwee fan as well so I think I think it's I think they've got to be likeable to some degree as well so I think I think yeah (laughs) yeah no I I I think the same to be honest but I like it when they're not not complete, like not not likable, but they they do have to have flaws because even with classic companions, when they were written in that 
the 60s or the 70s style of these people have to be likeable, we have to have people to latch onto. They still have flaws, they still have things that you're not as much of a fan of. So like Ian, everyone loves Ian because it's it's Ian, but there are times where he comes across as quite in the very early stories when he's written as the time as he's the man, he has to do this. That very quickly changes. But it's there are going to be companions who have some flaws. There are going to be companions, especially the more modern companions when they can be written to be flawed characters. But I think relatability, likability, and they need to be a sort of a foil to the Doctor as well. Not so much as someone who's just there to be on the adventure with them. They need to have some sort of way to challenge the Doctor, challenge our views as well. Because they can be, normally, the companion is our way into the story. So like with Rose, when she came into it, she was the reintroduction to the world of Doctor Who for most people, most young fans at this point, I think. Even though that was now, what, 16 years ago, which is terrifying. But, <clears throat> um, yeah, that they need to be, even with the stories that don't have a companion, so like the Deadly Assassin or that sort of thing, they they still have an audience surrogate person so that's what the companion is really i think they need to be good at that they need to be somebody that we can relate to that we can like but who we don't feel too closely similar to so there's a bit of diff like distance mm. i think i was gonna say i think in the deadly assassin you've kind of got the foil of its spandrel and Elkin, Engin, that's right, Engin, yeah. So kind of Eric Chitty and George Pravda, and I think perhaps in that, that's kind of the foil for the Doctor, because obviously he befriends them in that way, and then they help him that's defeat That's the thing, they are whoever. more like pseudo-companions, even though they're mem- very much on the Doctor's level. Having said that, you had, you've got people like Romana, who is, in her own words, far better than the Doctor, far smarter than the Doctor, but even when you've got a companion like that, who is an, who is an alien, who is much more the Doctor's equal and less and I don't think I'm being controversial when I say that most Doctor Who audience they don't think of themselves as on the Doctor's level of either intelligence or any other standard that you'd hold yourself to but you want someone who is there who you can see is challenging if you have the Doctor going through his adventures absolutely fine no one to challenge him it would get boring very quickly that's what you need you need someone to push him to to challenge him to see if they, especially in the more in modern who is better during I think the be, one of the better examples is say like the beast below where Amy makes a decision the doctor doesn't agree with but you can see she's doing it for the right reason so you're not you don't dislike her for it but you are you are sort of made to side with one of them before the denouement happens um, but that's the sort of thing I think, it's, you know, relatable and likable without being too bland, without being too one note and being able to challenge the doctor and like the audience, but uh, everyone's views of what's happening on screen, I think, or in the case of Big Finish, what's happening, you know, in the audios. I just think as well, the other thing that, that sort of makes some companions to be the most memorable they kind of have a bit of a life of their own after Doctor Who so Joe or or Sarah Jane or um, I mean who else had a spin-off yeah and I mean they've all had these little spin-offs haven't they and and I think that everyone still remembers them for, for those reasons as well so I think 
I don't know, maybe we need a bit more of that, I don't know. But I think that's that's probably something that makes them sort of the most loved. Yeah, I think so. That's in the thing. that way. There are, gonna, there are some companions that aren't as well loved, aren't as well remembered. Especially with, if I, I've got a feeling that if we asked a few, like, new Who fans, ones who aren't as familiar with classic Who... They'd be able to say Sarah Jane. They'd be able to say the Brigadier. They'd probably be able to say Joe because she was in that. She was in Sarah Jane Adventures. And even if you hadn't seen that, she's quite a big presence in just Katie. Especially is a very big presence in Who. Um, but I, I don't think. I think maybe Susan. I don't think when you get to more people more like Turlow or um, Tegan Perry, I think's more famous. But ones like that. I think new Who fans may not be aware of. So you have got the really iconic characters like the Brigadier, like Sarah Jane, and they make an impact immediately, or they or they do. They are such a good character that you can't help but remember them. And and unfortunately, you have some who people don't don't latch onto as quickly. That doesn't mean they're not as good. Uh, I haven't seen as many Turlow TV episodes as I like, but Turlow on Big Finish is especially is really good. So I think if if they're given enough time and enough focus, that's kind of what you want as well. Is you want them to be explored. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, perhaps that's something with certain companions like Turlow or, I mean, who else is there? Maybe Adric think, as well, yeah. in a way, because poor his, Adric, bless him. End, He's not... I'm not going to spoil it <laughs> in case we have listeners who don't know, except yeah. we will spoil it when we get to his episode. Uh, which is a prior warning. His end is far more well known than the rest of his adventures. I think if you said this, you know, everyone instantly goes to that episode, um, but they don't think of any of the e-space stories. I think I, I reckon if you, the moment you say Adric, you think of uh, his final story over his first few stories. Yeah, I think I think that's something that perhaps Big Finish brings to the table is giving more kind of stories and more affection to, to companions like Turlow and Adric who perhaps people and Mel even as well because I think Mel's great oh, yeah. like and I think that the TV she almost didn't get what she deserved to have because I think she's fun I I oh yeah and her chemistry with Colin yeah. as well is, is pretty like, good. like they're, they're both companion. quite fun and he's a bit grumpy and she's like oh doctor have some <laughs> carrot juice or whatever <laughs> it's quite fantastic that's the thing is i'm trying to think of someone else who is, is as bubbly and fun most companions have a few stories in which they they see or they experience something quite dark especially say with um like tegan in resurrection that is horrifically dark mm. But I don't think Mal had too many dark stories. It was especially that her series with Sylvester. Most of those stories are well known for being quite light and bubbly, and it's um, it's hard to have a companion who is just fun. But I think Mal does that quite well. I don't think modern New Who would be able to do that because we expect it now of them to go on a journey, for them to start somewhere and end somewhere very different. Um, like Bill, for example, again, not going to spoil it just in case, because I know some of one of our listeners, and if the rest of his podcast listen, they've only just finished Bill's like this morning the episode on 
the episode they do when they're listening, they're watching Women Who Fell to Earth has just come out. So I don't want to spoil too much about the more recent companions, but look, Bill has quite a dark storyline near the end of her series. But at the start, she was really she was just fun and one curious, and that's what you need, I think, at least at the start of a companion's journey, is for them to want to go out and, and enjoy things and journey and learn. Obviously, you have the more the most recent companions who were taken by accident, and that is not a one-off event in Doctor Who. The amount of companions who have accidentally just turned up and end up on an adventure, but it's. That's what you want sometimes. Is you want oh, this is an ordinary human being or an ordinary alien or robot or tin dog who's been dragged in and just ends up on the TARDIS and then doesn't really want to leave. I think that's the that's what you want. It's a combination of all the things you said without being. Then you want them to be have, have an extra ability, an extra storyline to them, an extra dimension to them that isn't just here's someone they, that's fun they want to be on the TARDIS. They have to want them to progress, but at the same time, you want them to be that same relatable, likable character. Yeah, no, I, I was just thinking actually of an interesting point you said about Bill and the fact that she went from being quite happy and bubbly to the fact she has such this dark end. And perhaps I think that's what people, well, some people anyway, enjoyed about what happened to Graham and Ryan because their story to start with, no spoilers, was a bit sadder. And then they went and they left of yeah. their own accord to do what they wanted. And I think that, and they've gone on and you can, it, you, you can sort of imagine now them having adventures on their own. As you would with like Sarah Jane or, or Joe or, or Harry or, or anyone else. So I think been been something that perhaps yeah. who hasn't had for a while i think so actually i think that is quite a it's it's not unique but it is unique in the grand scheme of things since we've had new who for certain i think the last person who did that really was possibly martha do you think yeah i mean i confess i don't know if i've actually seen her leave but obviously she went on and went into Torchwood and and other things and has cropped up again since then so she she left on her own terms from what I gather yeah that's the sort of thing I mean is, is we want somebody to have an the journey but we want sometimes we want the light ending and the cheerful ending we don't want the the dark and the miserable like some people have had yeah I think I don't mean I think maybe for companions like Adric it's sort of brought people a bit closer to him I don't know or maybe people were just like thank god good riddance I don't know (laughs) but I mean for me I've seen Adric's first story full circle which I think is pretty good and I liked him in that and I've seen his last story and so I I don't know whether that was kind of good for his character I don't know I'm probably going to get murdered now for saying that but never mind if anyone if anyone knows what I mean it's a powerful ending. It's a powerful storyline. I can see why people like it. I can see why people don't. But it's happened. You can't get over it. As much as Big Finish might try with some things. But um, I won't spoil that either. Because that is that is a good point to start talking about what we're going to spoil what we haven't. Because unintentionally, I think you may have spoiled the ending of Revolution of the Daleks there. Um, which no one's going to mind because most people have seen it. Um, but 
speaking of what we're going to spoil, we will be spoiling TV Who. If any given story that we're talking about, we may give spoilers. So I will try my best to put them in the in the description of at this point we will talk about this story. If you haven't seen it, skip ahead. Because I know the like our friends of the podcast, the Married to Who podcast, have not have only got up to I think Rosa. I think they're about to do Arachnids in the UK, so they don't know any of the Jodie era very well. But if there are people listening who don't know the stories and want to watch them, I will put in spoiler warnings in the description. So I think it was about the 13 minute mark that we we talked about Revolution, so I'll put that in there. But we will spoil anything that's been on TV, and we will warn you when we were about to do that. We will not spoil books, comics, or Big Finish unless we explicitly say that's the companion we're talking about. So if we talk about Hex, if we talk about Evelyn, we will discuss the stories we'll be talking about. We'll just discuss spoilers about those stories. So if you haven't listened or you don't want spoilers, we will warn you beforehand. But when we're talking about Sarah Jane, when we're talking about Joe or Adric, and we know there are big finished stories, we will discuss them, we will bring them up, we will not spoil them for you. That's a spoiler warning for the rest of the podcast. We will let you know when it happens, but it will be spoiled if they're stories you don't know. Yeah, I, I will point out, I will try really, really hard not to spoil Harry Sullivan's War for anyone who wants to read it. <laughs> because I read it recently and I'm I'm a bit of a fangirl about that. But I think if anyone anyway. can find themselves a copy of Harry Sullivan's <laughs> War, I'd like one. Yeah, mm, a bit expensive, but nice one, Ian yes. Marta. It's great. <laughs> Oh, I think it's great. I think it's great. I will clarify. I think it's great. You might all well, think it's awful. I don't know. But anyway, I'll if anyone up. has read it, please get in touch because I'd like to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of Harry and speaking of units, that I think is a good discussion to have as well. What do we count as a companion? I know there are people who only count the people who have travelled in the TARDIS which I can understand, but it's also quite a restrictive way of talking about it because in that case, the Brigadier technically wouldn't count, neither would Liz Shaw, um, I, probably Yates I even, if you don't count Big Finish. Yeah, because technically Mike in the series never did. I think, though, the thing about Unit I've always found was that they weren't companions so much as... Assistants. Al- assistants or allies, almost. Yeah, and I think I think the brigadier, in a way, is not the doctor's equal in the same res- in in the respect of being as clever as him or as as sort of what he is. But I think he he was sort of a equal to the doctor in kind of their friendship and their their sort of collaboration with each other. So I've I mean, for me personally, I've never, I've never really thought of Brigadier as a companion, but he's more of an an ally or a friend. Yeah, or... I don't think he is. He could count as an official companion, but I think he's still someone we want to cover. Oh yeah, certainly. So if we, um, that's what I'm trying to think of a way to broaden the category. But we will be counting anyone who is officially a companion. We will also be counting anyone that we really like to think of as a companion, or in that that sort of area so Liz Shaw is a companion she never travelled in the TARDIS but she's a companion absolutely we are gonna even to an extent we'll have Mike Yates we'll have Sergeant Benson 
Benton was in the in the TARDIS. I'm not sure if he ever travelled in the TARDIS, but he was definitely in the TARDIS at some point. Yes, he was. Did he? He was in the TARDIS in three dots. Yeah, he didn't travel though, did he? I don't think because they no, were, they were stuck, in. weren't they? Yeah, I think he walked in, had the look round, went wow, and then walked out again. <laughs> but um, yes. we are counting the Brigadier. We are counting Unit. We are counting the Paternoster Gang. They are. I don't even know if they've ever set foot in the TARDIS on screen. I don't. Ah, I think they did. In the unseen bits of A Good Man Goes to War. But I don't think they've physically been on adventures. But I know that we would be remiss if we didn't include them. So anyone realistically who would count as a companion. And we will hopefully be having episodes somewhere down the line. Where we cover would-be or almost companions. So everyone I think has a soft spot for Linda with a Y. Even though she had that wonderful two episodes and then what happened. But we will be bundling together a few almost companions, a few would-be companions, and I can't really think of many other than Adam, who are definitely not companions, even though they are travel with travelling in the TARDIS. We will do an episode at some point with the would-be and almost companions. So if you mm. have suggestions for people who who aren't companions, but could have been, and were written as if they would have been, then please let us know because that would help us enormously. I will. I was going to say I will put in a, I don't know what you call it, disc, disclaimer or whatever it is, yeah. just to say and point out that as much as we're going to mention Adam, obviously in no way whatsoever, <laughs> ever, 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 darlings, right? Do we condone anything that the actor may have done? Okay. Definitely. So not. please. That is just in yes, passing. Yes. Yes. So please don't be cross with us if we mention him because he is. In, to a little degree, part of the Eccleston era, so we probably will bring him up at some point. <laughs> I think we will mention him in passing during our Rose yes. episode, which is coming relatively soon, and we will mention him if we ever do a discussion of people who definitely aren't companions. Other than that, that is the extent to which we will discuss him. But that is that's that disclaimer out of the way. That's let's move past. Um, yes. That. Um, but having a quick, having had a quick discussion about what we think makes a good companion. You, we've both said our favourites, but I do think it's worth going over again because I think everyone... I, d- I doubt there is a person who watches Who who doesn't like Sarah Jane. Because if you don't like Sarah Jane and you're a fan of Doctor Who, I don't think you quite grasp her character. Um, <laughs> there's the big, most iconic ones that sound like you're just saying the most iconic ones, but I think the Brigadier, you've got to love the Brigadier. Same with Joe Grant, same with Sarah Jane. Any modern Who companions, I think most people latch onto their favourites quite quickly. Uh, Amy was quite a big one. Everyone liked. Rory is someone I I'm think sorry. who has <laughs> has a fan base. Yeah, you might not like her, but no, that's fair I don't, enough. You allow, this is the but, point. You allowed yeah. an opinion. <laughs> but I'm. I mean, just to point out that a Karen is lovely. True. Okay, so I don't. I don't. I don't hate. Any of the actresses who played any of the companions. We, we yeah, we're discussing companions and fictional characters. Yes, we are not discussing yes. the actual people. Yeah, just just in just in case anyone decides to get offended with me and go, oh, I hate whoever, because I have had that before. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but I think I, I think the other thing about sort of your your favorite and the best is perhaps there are companions who, for you or for not you personally, obviously, but for you out there who aren't necessarily your favourite, but who could be considered some of the best, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, most people always, have, when they have their list, 
there's obviously Sailor Jen, there's obviously Joe, there's obviously the Brigadier, there's obviously most of the modern companions. Mm. Susan is always get always gets brought up, but I think I would like to know the amount of new who companion uh, new who fans who know classic companions just from osmosis who just know of these people but have never seen their stories because this is a good uh, this is a good point to make that if you are listening and you don't know susan very well or you don't know uh, adric or you don't know perry we will recommend to you the stories that we think are best so when we get to a story on when we get to an episode on Rose, I would think that most New Who fans would have seen the Eccleston and the Tenant eras. I know there are some who only got brought into Who with Jodie, which is fair enough, but go back and watch the other stuff because it's amazing. Or most, mm. I doubt, I don't think, with the exception of maybe three stories, there's any, there's nothing's bad. There's some that are less well written or there's some that people aren't as fan of, but it's all going to be worth watching. But with Rose, mm. we we are going to give you recommendations for episodes on the knowledge that most people who listen will have seen all of her run. But it's always worth going back and re-watching. But we will be recommending stories to you that cover the classic companions. We're going to aim for about three. And we'll be watching those in advance as well. So we would, if, if people have seen the stories or they have, or they do watch them after listening... Please get back in touch and let us know what you think. If you disagree, if you don't like the companion, if you like the companion, if you think there are better stories than the ones we've chosen, please let us know. But we will be covering that in the next few episodes when we actually focus down into a companion. Mm, I mean, I think the only other thing is obviously there are companions where a lot of their stories are missing or don't, or, or for whatever reason. So for people like Stephen or... I want to say Ben to an extent, but because a couple of their stories have now been animated, mm, that's animated. actually not too bad. But for people like Stephen, as like a main one, there's... Is there three of his stories? Well, oh, no, there is um... three, because there's the Time Meddler, the Gunfighters... Sorry, guys, if you don't like the Gunfighters. And um, the Ark. I love the Ark. So actually, that shouldn't be too bad. Whether they're his best stories That's the is another question. And I'm because... not sure. We, we won't necessarily be recommending the best stories. We will be recommending no. the <laughs> ones we think are best to watch to get a feel for the character. So yes. there are um, excellent stories containing Rose, containing whoever you can mm. think of, but they may mm. not be the best ones to get a grip on the character. No. I mean, actually, the chase obviously comes into to that to a degree because obviously Stephen's in that. So actually, that that'll probably not be too bad in terms of missing episodes. Hmm. No, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll do our best to recommend you stories that you can <laughs> yeah. actually watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know we can get the lost lost stories on CD, the lost like lost episodes, but they are soundtracks, and I know not not everybody gets to grips with them quite quickly. So when when we get to the episode on Steve, and we get to episodes on ones who are lost, we will do our best to recommend you places to find the stories you can watch, even if it is just a cheap DVD from a charity shop. There are ways to see them. So. We've kind of given off, we've kind of walked walked around our favourites, but like I said, most there isn't an outright companion I do not like. There are some that I prefer to others. Controversially, I'm not going to say either way on Clara because I know how controversial that can be. But certain companions we 
have love for certain companions we just don't haven't seen as much or we don't know as much. But there's not going to be a it's not going to be an episode where we get to a companion and go we don't like this companion. But we would love your thoughts on whoever we whoever we deal with because it's interesting to know what other people found, what they thought of them. Having spoken about what you what you all think about companions is I we did put a call out on Twitter before we recorded about what our listeners or what our, our Twitter friends think about companions in general. We've got responses from from. Everyone at this point is now a friend of the pod, but the early supporters, uh, Mrs. Jane McCrimmon, the, the Married to Who podcast, the Neither Time Nor Space, the ones who've given us advice and equipment and just general help, we are incredibly grateful for that. And anyone is more than welcome to request a guest spot to speak about whoever they would like to. I think we all know who Mrs. J would choose, but that is... Glaringly obvious at the best of times. Uh, well, we love you for it, Mrs. J. We're not complaining at all. But we we did have a fair few responses. So if we go through them and see what people think, and we can compare them against what we've just said and see how wrong we are. So let's just go from the beginning at the random order that Twitter has given it to me in. Mrs. J has given us a wonderful bullet point list of someone who is brave which I agree with completely but doesn't always think their actions through that I think is a good way of putting it as with both of her favourites at the moment Ryan is a wonderful companion he is brave and he is also just a bit, especially in his early stories doing the wrong thing for the right reasons same with Jamie the same with many companions who act instinctively Again, back to the beast below with Amy acting instinctually without actually thinking about it. She goes on to say, loyal, but calls the Doctor on their uh, their nonsense when needed. Kind, but selfish and at times, which is, I think that's what I liked about the flawed companions, is we have people who are ultimately a good, a good person, a good character, but they do have instances where they work for their own self-interest, which everyone does. Uh, clever, though that doesn't have to mean IQ, and sees the wonder in the universe when the Doctor can't, and as for her favourite, as we all know, the wonderful Fraser Hines and Jamie McCrimmon, which I think, if he's not up there in everyone's list when they've seen at least one episode of his, there is a problem, because he is just lovely. I'm pretty sure you agree on the whole yeah, Jamie Yeah, I mean... Two of my favourite stories are Tomb of the Cybermen, which I've watched for years and years since I was about six. And yeah, what what else is there to say about lovely Fraser and Jamie? (laughs) I mean, yeah. And then, yeah, I guess that's it, really. I don't know what else else to say about him. Yeah, Mrs. J summed him up pretty um, well. (laughs) When we get to the Jamie episode, we, are, we have got so much to choose from, especially with Big Finish. His adventures on there are incredible. But I think that is a good point, having someone who is kind and brave and clever, but not necessarily the Doctor's style of intelligence or the Doctor's style of, of even his kindness. They are someone who acts in their own way while still being ultimately the best person they can be. And I think Jamie does sum that up, having... The journey he goes on 
the the learning that he does of wherever he goes. Again, we won't spoil it too much. And we're going to wait till his episode, but it's um that is a pretty good choice. And for obvious reasons, we all love him anyway because it's Fraser. <laughs> yes. Yes. So who are we going to? So we got Jake from the Married to Who podcast, who is the host of Married. And if you, if anyone's listened to this and haven't heard the Married to Who podcast, they always say don't start with one, start with series three. I'm going to say go and start with one because that's how I did it, and it's pretty wonderful that they've. It's Jake and the group of the Marrieds, and he's introducing people who you have not seen who at all to new who. And it is honestly one of my favourite podcasts, if not my favourite podcast, because it's wonderful just to know what people think, to hear people's first thoughts on who. And I haven't yet had anyone to introduce to the show, and I would love to do that. So it's a, it is a wonderful way to, to go through a show that we all love. Uh, what does he write? So he writes, A companion needs to be able to roll with the punches, to be versatile and without ego, Sometimes they have to lead a rebellion and sometimes they have to make coffee while the doctor figures things out. And that comes from a lot of 60s Who, but that's fair enough. 60s Who is good. Uh, his favourites, we've got Vicky as the young companion, Barbara as the adult companion, and it seems to be a toss-up between Ian and Jamie as the best punchy boy. I think we know who our other Twitter friend would go for, but let's just uh, let's leave that f- for your imagination. And that you can choose whichever you prefer, anyone who's listening to this. But that's fair enough. We do have, especially with Classic Who, with New Who they are more set in, let's give the Doctor someone who is immediately challenging. With Classic Who they are more of a family, especially with, with Hartnell, it's more of a family feel. So that is true, you need someone who is able to work through what happens, but also not get sidetracked when the focus is on the Doctor. So I think that worked quite well. Uh, we've got uh, now my friend and friend of the pod, big Finnish listener. Oh, I should have been reading out who these people, but Mrs. Jay McCrimmon is at Mrs. Jay McCrimmon, um, and Jake is at his individual, which I won't read out unless he um, he wishes me to. But I will find out that at a later date. And I, his he's married to who? podcast which you can just search for on twitter which is as i find it married to who pod so big finish listener otherwise it's also ej coats on twitter but listener big it's put companions should have a thirst for adventure and have something unique about them too many modern companions have followed the same template which is fair i can see where he's coming from there or earth at all this is not from earth no no she's Nisha of charkin no She's from Charkin, yeah, and Turlo. I mean chameleon, chameleon to an extent, yeah. although no one remembers it. Oh, they just hated working. <laughs> Sorry, with the chameleon. Pot. When we get to, when we get to chameleon, we will talk about that story because I find that story hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know chameleon at all, oh, really. Well, so we... I I just know what I've heard about yeah. him, but I know he voiced him. But anyway, not the point. Um, but yeah, I think perhaps we need something a bit different. Perhaps like as as much as there are so many good companions from Earth, don't get me wrong, because there are, but that it might be nice to throw someone in the mix who's I mean even someone from the future. Or, well, who have we had from the future? From we the haven't past. had many, have we? From the future, we've had yours, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my my boy, my Mister Taylor, he's from the future, isn't yeah. he? And 
Um, actually, is there anyone Zoe? That must be? Zoe, yeah, that's really obvious. I've got well, that. even Sorry, even Zoe. if we talk in the future and the past, Victoria, Jamie, yes, yes, Vict- they did Victoria and Clara for a single episode, and I don't think I'm alone. I think there's a fair few people who would have preferred her to stay that way. I would like us to see a companion <laughs> in modern who is who isn't a modern person, even if they're from the future, mm. and we can have the challenges of now being reflected in the future or the other way around, or just have someone who is an alien. Mm. Adric was an alien. Turlo, Nissa. He was. Susan, yes. obviously. Um, yes. So it's, it's it'd be good to have a departure from. I, I know the upcoming companion is going to be working class. Is going to be. Liverpudlian, which we haven't mm. had a scouser before. It no, it almost made me think of something that I actually I was watching Sapphire and Steel the <laughs> other day, and there was a scene where no, it's not really a spoiler Fair. where where there was a a boy and to Steel he said, "Don't you know your history?" And Steel said, "I know my history," which was interesting because obviously, with the past and with the future, and with their alien alien planets and things their history is not the same as yours and vice versa same with the doctor really so i think i think that dynamic would be quite interesting i do i do think he's right in saying we want a departure from the the template that we've got and as much as i enjoy every companion we have had Mm. i don't think we've had a companion who isn't in modern who at least or at least a main companion who is an actual one for series who isn't from modern day Earth. Even if we had one who is from modern day Earth and one who's an alien who joins later on or one who's from the past or from the future like we had with Jamie or like mm. we had with Stephen. That'd be, especially the the fact that the Jodie era, especially series 11, does reflect the classic mm. who quite nicely. So that would have been a good, a good point to have, I think. Especially mm. with a big TARDIS team. Um, big finish. He goes on to say that his favourite one is Jack, um, with Bam and loving to play him. It's flawed. That is very true, especially if you're going to Torchwood. Um, but it's a good heart, and he has fun doing it, which is what you want. I think you want a actor who enjoys the role. You can see it in their performance, and who plays the character with enough depth to them that you are occasionally made to think: Are they in fact doing the right thing? And again, with Torchwood, I know some people haven't got into it yet, I haven't seen all of it, mm. I'm not going to spoil that. When we get to the Jack episode, again, we will be, but we will tell you the points at which we will spoil things. But there are points during Torchwood where you're not quite sure if Jack is playing by the same rule book as everyone else. But it's that's good. We want we sometimes want people like that. I mean, Tur- Turlow is a bit of an interesting one, because uh, of obviously... How do I not spoil this? I don't think there's a way of not, actually. But I was going to say, Turlow is an interesting one in a different way because of the way he starts off. The actions that he's made yeah, to do. We'll yeah, we'll say that. Yeah. The, the task he is set to, to, be, yeah. to be given is at, at odds with what yes. we expect of a companion. Yes. When we get to him, we will tell you more about it. But in case we have listeners who don't know what he's like, what do know what he does. Nicely yeah. done. <laughs> Oops. I'm trying, trying yeah. to do a work around here. Um, so we've had um, Bob Rushy at Bob Rushy, who is a character that we can imagine leading his or her own life apart from the Doctor, but who benefits from the travel and learns from it. The lessons might be harsh, but at other times they might be charming. And that is completely in line with what we think, I think. We want someone who is 
especially when you had with the later days of Amy and Roy or Bill in Modern Who, because Classic Who, they seem to live on the TARDIS, especially during the 70s and the 80s where they had bedrooms and they had rooms on the TARDIS mm. where they lived. With Modern Who, you do have people who have lives outside of the Doctor. And when their life de- turns into just time on the TARDIS, that's when they have the problem of trying to face what's mm. happened. But with Classic Who, Sarah Jane, Joe, the Brigadier have lives outside of the Doctor and they go on to have much better lives because of the Doctor, but they have lives outside of him. And it would be nice to get back to companions who live their life apart from their life in the TARDIS. So I think that's a good point. Is we have we have to have someone who is who is distinct and who isn't just their life I mean, is the TARDIS. Their life needs to be mm, more than that. That's interesting, although for some of the companions in Classic Who, they almost had no home because Victoria had couldn't go back. Stephen, I don't think, could go back either because no. I, I, I don't, don't think when they picked him up he was on his original home anyway. Um, Leela, Leela, yes, yeah, couldn't go back. Yeah, again, we were trying to subvert the, or even if it yeah. is their first episode, but we are not going to spoil so that think, in case you haven't seen it. I think almost for some of them, they're because they didn't have that life. The Doctor gave them a life in a way. In a way, I think particularly yeah. for people like Stephen, he he sort of evolves quite a bit into into someone who when he started was was quite not different but he he gains other qualities i think that that then lead him on to go and do other things which are explored in big finish and in his last story the savages which i haven't seen yet either because is that it is missing missing? it is missing although i was gonna say there was i think uh peter's latest recording is an audio of this book of the savages because you tagged me yes. in it i believe so so yeah, i directed you towards so yeah if, if, if anyone wants to get to know the savages although you might want to watch the time meddler first i'll be honest because <laughs> well when we get to Stephen, we can tell you exactly which ones to watch but i'm definitely opting for the time meddler purely on the basis that the monk's amazing um Another fellow Marrow Who fan, Passion Fruit Sended Jar Candle at B underscore bird underscore moth. Uh, for me, it's about what they, what they can bring that the Doctor can't. What about the pairing makes them stronger together than apart? And what flaws they bring out? Do they keep the Doctor grounded or does the Doctor alienate them from their own humanity? Now, that is interesting because I can. I'm, I'm not speaking for them. I don't know what their knowledge of classic Who is, but that is more modern Who, especially with Clara's ending. Especially with certain other companions. I mean, technically, Missy for a time was a companion, and that's definitely a flawed relationship. So, it's you want them to you want them to be different enough that they are distinct from the Doctor, but you want them to be able to challenge and bring out things that you don't ordinarily see. If that's flaws or if that's strengths, it's quite good to have someone who challenges and who pushes the boundaries of what we expect. And the our fellow podcast, we've got a few fellow podcasts now. Um, neither the time nor the space at time nor space pod 
who I am, um, I have not listened to an awful lot of, and I will apologise to them for that, but who are excellent. And it's an interesting way to see who, as someone who is more vocally, not disapproving of it, but who isn't as much of a knowledgeable fan, or a fan at all to start with, to learn that is quite interesting to hear. So I would recommend listening to them too. Uh, they put to me a companion is exactly what the doctor needs them to be. So when the tenth doctor found Martha, he needed he needed a serious companion. He needed someone to bring him out of the misery of lose of what happened at the end of series two. Again, not going to spoil it to we get to that episode. Um, and Donna, when he needed a fun companion, and when the eleventh doctor found Clara after the ponds. Uh, for me the best companions either contrast with or complement the Doctor entirely but they need to be based around what the Doctor needs at the time and that's a very good point that I don't think we covered is they need to be able to give something to the Doctor which he needs to be able to to progress so it's especially with modern Who I think classic Who it was more the Doctor giving and inspiring to his companions, but it's they did in Classic Who inspire the Doctor back, but in Modern Who that does happen more obviously. Mm, I mean, I think an interesting thing is is when the Doctor first meets Sarah Jane because he doesn't meet her d- deliberately, does he? As such, he meets her at a thing, and then they kind of no. meet in that way. And after Joe Grant. He perhaps wasn't looking for anybody, but they sort of met by kind of coincidence, almost. So I think I think that's quite quite nice, almost, because yeah, it doesn't that's... feel like you're being f- you're being forced. Because obviously, after Joe, that may have been quite difficult, depending on if you like Joe or not. Mm. Well, that's mm. the thing. You had two very popular, yeah. very iconic companions yeah. immediately after yeah. each other. Also in that mix, mm, rather definitely, and it worked. So I think if you have the chemistry and if you have the mm. the doctor mm. and the companion giving to mm. each other and taking from each other what they need, it works quite well. And I think our final one for now is from Complexicated Cookie at John Boy underscore Cook. There should be a point for audience identification. With so many alien worlds and species, we need somebody we can relate to, which the point you made immediately, and I followed up a bit later on with. So while people have so many different favourites, we will see see ourselves in someone. He's always loved Rose and Joe's sense of wonder and adventure and how they develop and are strengthened by the time of the Doctor. He's always struggled with reluctant companions. He doesn't get why anyone wouldn't want the exploration, but for other people they do work. That's a very good point. We don't have an awful lot of reluctant, like, reluctant companions that carry on being reluctant companions. We've got a couple mm. that were accidentally brought on board, but then immediately just fell in love with it. But there are some who who are reluctant for a while. Uh, again, mm. going back, not trying to spoil it, but going back to Turlo, and he was reluctant in many ways, to be fair. But there are companions who aren't as... Mm who aren't as immediately in love with travelling with the Doctor and that is fair enough to have a companion like that and I can see why some people like it and some people don't I'm not too strong feeling either way but I can Mm. see the need for it because it's quite interesting contrast to have someone who doesn't like 
traveling or doesn't want to I mean, immediately I think latch on and sometimes travel you've got with the doctor i mean i was thinking of this the other day watching terror of the zygons but i'm not going to say why particularly but i think harry is one of those companions where he's not reluctant but he's quite grounded and is just very much kind of um adventurous in his own way and i think he he almost he's he doesn't dislike traveling with the doctor but i think he's just very earthbound and very grounded and sort of further on has adventures on in his own way so I think he's he's more of not really an example of a reluctant yeah. companion, but perhaps a more grounded one. Yeah, and we we need that occasionally, especially mm. with with him being with with Tom's Doctor, mm. which who was definitely at least up until Modern mm. Who the most out there and alien mm. and out just strange. And he is definitely you don't for a second think he's a human being, even with. Sylvester's doctor, he is manipulative and he can be very dark and he can be very cruel at times, but he is he still feels like he could be a person or he could be a human, whereas Tom's is very much he is he's definitely an alien, he's definitely out there, he's definitely just a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. having a grounded companion with a more out there doctor works quite well. Mm. So I think Rory worked with Eleven because mm. he could be quite out there and Rory was very much this is just the reality of it. We need to get to deal with it. But that's um, that's a good point that that John made there. I wouldn't mind thinking, hearing what people think of the companions that are to come because so far they are all excellent points that I'm not sure I would have thought of by myself. No, I mean there's certainly a lot of points that people have made that have, have reminded me of of things that that perhaps I hadn't thought about or or hadn't really considered particularly things like some of the companions not actually having a home or having a life i think for yeah. for some of them and obviously they went on to in their own way and some are better than others but i think i think there are there's certainly been points that have have provoked a lot of thought yeah definitely that's good that was it was good to hear what people think and I am going to be intrigued what people think of the people to come and we will tell you who our next episode will be about at the end but speaking of what's coming we have got some things planned so for each companion that we discuss the fo- when the episode is released the following Saturday if it's possible if not it will be the one after that we'll be having a big finished listen along which Lily is renowned for picking the best ones for and organizing <laughs> with help i will f- i will uh, quickly throw out there with help from the lovely james as well who may yes. listen or may not but he's certainly been very helpful in picking some of the audios as well as of you so thank oh. you guys <laughs> You're welcome uh, james is good the, so far the last few weeks the ones james have picked i've not heard and i've wanted to hear and they have been excellent so i'm looking forward to this which i know when this comes out this will be the last week's one but this week coming is going to be uh, an eighth Doctor and Charlie story, which would be good. But when we get to Charlie, I think we will have to ask people's advice because I haven't heard all of theirs yet. But for now, we're going to be talking about TV companions. So when you hear this, the Saturday that is after, which I think I've got written down, but I now can't remember. What's that Saturday, Lil? Sat- that we've got the listen? The Saturday of the... Saturday. What am I talking about? <laughs> I don't know what I'm on about. Oh I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm talking about. 
I have got the. The six. Says the sixth of March. Yeah, sixth of March. March Will be a big finish listen, and we have chosen a story so far. We are debating another. There will be two. I'm hoping that we can try and do a longer one and a shorter one, Mm. so that if people don't have the time to do an hour or two hours, they can do Mm. a half an hour short trip or a a a shorter story. Mm. But the the Saturday that we have, the the Saturday following an episode, we will have a listen along. And the day the episode is released, so this the our first episode will our first episode proper, I should say, will be released on the second of March if all goes well. And following that release, I will be tweeting out a three question quiz, which, obviously, if you know the answers, you just DM us on our uh, our podcast account. And if you get them right, your name goes in a hat, and we will have prizes which we will happily send out. We have chosen the prize for the first week. It is be a target novelization. I will not give out which target novelization. That'll be the the reveal of the quiz when we tweet it out. But if people are interested, then please try and answer the questions to the best of your ability and we will do our best to get you a prize if you win. Um, but that is what's coming. And speaking of what's coming, our next episode, so when this is released, will be a fortnight later. We will try and be as on it to be fortnightly releases as possible. Our next episode we will discuss in a few minutes when we when we get to the end, but we've planned out and I think most people will be aware of who they are and if they're not, you will have at least heard the name. But I am interested in what people are going to think because the next episode we will be recording hopefully relatively soon, so in about a fortnight's time, so we'll be staggered. But um, next time we'll be going back to a junkyard in Totter's Lane and exploring the adventures of Susan. So from where she goes from 1960s London to the Sensphere to Scarrow and many other places. So if you do want to get in contact and let us know about what you think on Susan and her travels, just tweet us on our account, which is at companion underscore pod, or either of us individually at our individual accounts and mine is old underscore ollie and is yours got an underscore in it Lil? Uh, I, I think remember. mine is just at just capital I, letter yeah. irene capital letter wild time i'm just gonna look at that actually because i can't remember yeah yeah it is yeah just at capital letter irene capital letter wild time wonderful so just please let us know what you think we will be putting a tweet out when this is dropped so by the time you hear this, you may have already given us your thoughts, but I would appreciate that. Um, is there anything else we want to discuss about Companions, Lil? Hmm. Not that I can think of currently, but there is lots of exciting things to come. Oh yes, we've got <laughs> a lot planned. So if yeah, if you want to let us know what you think, please do. But for now, all we've really got to say is thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. For the unearthly child. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. (laughs) Goodbye.